Welcome to the Raleigh Bitcoin meetup. So this uh, Twitter account and Telegram group that I follow called No Bullshit Bitcoin announced that formalized data sharing between exchanges is being developed like Coinbase, BitGo, Gemini, Kraken, and Bitrex, and Bitrex share a bulletin board system where they all have the same addresses on this bulletin board system that I guess they're monitoring. And I was kind of surprised. I mean, I'm not really in the know on Twitter or anything, but I'm kind of surprised that this didn't get more attention because this to me feels like the beginning of the shared blacklist amongst the KYC exchanges. Is it, um, is it that everyone had just already assumed that the big exchanges have a shared KYC blacklist address or I mean, is, is that why it didn't seem to get much attention, you guys think? Yeah, I don't really know about this case in particular. I did, I did see it this afternoon on Twitter, but didn't get a chance to read through it totally. Um, did you join the Telegram group? Yeah, well, the Telegram group is not a bunch of replies. I mean, if you want to see replies to the you no know, bullshit Bitcoin stuff, you got to go on Twitter. Um, okay. but yeah, like, well, I replied, but I didn't get any comments on my reply. I mean, it's something that you kind of always have to assume is happening anyways, when you're dealing with a, a centralized third party. And it's maybe not such a terrible thing for it to happen because these are the types of attacks or quasi attacks that if Bitcoin is going to succeed, it's going to have to surmount these obstacles. And I always see these types of things. I, I don't like it personally, but I always kind of have to take the approach that if it's going to happen, if it can happen, it will happen. And Bitcoin just has to be robust enough to not give a shit about it and work anyways in spite of it. And if Bitcoin is really going to take on these, you know, central banks and other adversaries in the future, we should probably be able to withstand a an actual attack or quasi attack from the centralized industries, the centralized parties in the industry. And that's just, it sucks. It has to be that way, but you know, I think it does have to be that way. Yeah. As we much just have as to make it to where it's not, it's not possible or profitable to do those types of things. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of in the situation where, I mean, I didn't know about this until you just explained it, but I'm incredibly unsurprised. <laughs> uh, like, I felt like that was an inevitability. In fact, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that's not already happening, um, that that hasn't been happening privately for a while. Yeah. Um, just because of how they do KYC and like how they do, like I know a lot of them partner with some of the same chain Alice, like the chain Alice's company or whatever. I think it's got a different name now. Um, but, uh, uh so different name now? do what chain Alice has changed their name. Yeah. Either the parent company changed or something like oh, okay. a year or two ago or something like that. I can't, I can't remember exactly what, what happened. I just remember stuff changed hands. And one thing I was trying to like, uh, trying to remember as the thing to focus on was no longer its name. 
Um, but whatever the company is that, that is Chainalysis, I know a lot of people use them. Um, and uh, so I, I, again, it's just not surprising. Um, and centralized services are going to be centralized services. And I, I see no way that, I mean, just look at the environment that we're heading into from like a financial perspective, look at the legacy system, like capital controls, KYC, AML, like none of this stuff is getting easier. Like, like they're not loosening any of this. In fact, they're doubling down on it. And probably you're going to have to prove that you got a COVID vaccine uh, in the next couple of months to sign into an exchange. I go. mean, like the <laughs> level of ridiculousness that this is, uh, that this is reaching now is is just absurd um so yeah yeah totally totally expected um but no i don't think this really is going to do anything to bitcoin in fact uh the conversation the drinks in quarantine on bitcoin magazine uh they had uh what's his face i can't remember his name from paxful um but uh he has been talking about the peer-to-peer -peer market um and that like volumes are just exploding. Nice. Uh, and his prediction for 2020 was that he thinks peer-to-peer -peer markets are going to overtake the legitimate exchanges in volume. Wow. Um, and with things exactly like, because of where they are blowing up, like the countries, Argentina, like in uh, uh, Western Africa and uh, Lebanon, like all, all these like, countries where peer-to-peer -peer is basically their only good option. Um, uh, with that blowing up and with these sorts of ridiculous, overly focused blacklisting, like sharing information and stuff between exchanges, I don't see it as a long-term problem. I see it as a short-term stress um, and a short-term stress that will likely lead to a long-term solution, um, whether it be, you know, widespread adoption of peer-to-peer -peer or just a robust enough um, it's like BitTorrent, right? Like BitTorrent just forced the hand of the industry to adopt the internet, basically, to create streaming services. It was a form of protest. It was it took enough of their business away that they were like, we got to change or we're, we're going to go up and smoke. They're just going to get all our content for free. Um, and uh, it may be like that, that um, Bitcoin always kind of has that option to opt out. And it will be a form of protest that if they don't provide a good service, they won't get used. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, re I really hope that peer-to-peer uh, -peer takes off. I mean, it makes sense that other countries, especially South American countries, I don't know, just my experience is down there. Like people always prefer to do business with friends of friends than with, mm -hmm. with companies. Like I know with my brother-in-law, just the way he does business down there is like, they would so much rather buy Bitcoin from an individual that they know through a friend than from an exchange. Whereas it seems like Americans are the opposite. It seems like yeah. Americans would prefer to buy something from a company and not from like someone they know. I don't know. That might be. That is interesting. Yeah, that's probably. No, no, funny. you, that, I think there might be something to that, that, that we're used to having when you're used to having like economic players that you can depend on like companies and stuff mm -hmm. um, like trust builds up like really well. And then, and 
it becomes difficult to like, like you take the wind out of the sails for the alternative markets, you know, um, and it just becomes a habit, you know, it becomes part of the culture. And there is definitely something to that, that we just go straight to Amazon or, you know, straight to Walmart or whatever, when we need something in American culture, but that that's not the case in a lot of places in the world. Yeah. And that might be falling away too um, here. I don't know, interesting. Yeah, I hope it does. I hope peer to peer does take off. I mean, I, I feel like we're getting close. It'll be interesting because if official blacklists do take off, then we'll just be in that game where it's just like how many hops and like what is the definition of a coin join? You know, how mm -hmm. many inputs and how many outputs? We'll just, we're going to, we all knew that that game, once it started, once a blacklist started, you know, the amount of hops would have to be the same. What are you holding up to the screen? Whirlpool. I was trying to see. It's two. No, I just I just earned 10,000 sats or 11,000 sats about. I was oh. proud of it. Oh, yeah. Amazon card. Oh, Amazon card. Yeah, I was, nice. I'm, I'm about to buy this power supply for the 3D printer. Oh, and nice. uh, and I was, I, don't, I, I, I buy nothing on Amazon now that doesn't go through this first. I'm almost up to a million sats. I'm getting close. Really? Yep. Wow. Just, just sats back. I use, I choose this shit religiously every day. Every day I buy something. If, if I'm buying anything and there is an option on fold that I can use, I do it. Hmm. So even through Amazon, like a fold gift card through Amazon? Um, uh, well, the reverse, but yeah, like, like if I'm buying something on Amazon, I use the same card that I would just use on Amazon but I buy a gift card on fold and get 2% back and then just punch the gift card into my balance on Amazon. So I just save 2% and I get it back in Bitcoin. Oh, so you can get like yeah. a gen general purpose gift card. On yeah. Fold? I just got, I'm just using gift card right now. Well, it's just general uh, purpose for Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. I tried, I tried to get my mother-in-law set up on, uh, a fold and strike system and I am less than a hundred percent confident it's going to stick. <laughs> it's now tough, man. Um, wow. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to at least get the wife and sister on fold so that everywhere they're get, like, they go to Starbucks, get coffee, yeah. Amazon, anything like, like the basics, just like buying stuff that they can get something back. And I'm going to make them get a fold card regardless. <laughs> Even if they don't want it, they're like, this is yours. You're going to take it and you're going to use it. And I'm going to take your other cards. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, but I would love to get them set up with strike. It's just that we all use PNC and they're garbage. They won't connect to it. So hmm. I would have to, everybody would have to switch their banks to get strike to work. So stupid. Is, is fold on um, Android and iPhone? I think so, yeah. Okay. Does anybody have Android? Does anybody know? Oh yeah, I had it on Android. I just recently got an iPhone though. So. Uh, oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're. Uh, I got an iPhone. So. Yeah, yeah, it's on both. Yeah. Oh, all right, sweet. But anyway, I, I was saying that I think this blacklist stuff is. I, I just can't wait to see it take off. I mean, I guess it's just another way in which I just want drama to happen. Like I just. 
I want the fight about the the mixing to happen. Like when this um whatever when the Twitter hack happened and the scammer sent all the money to the Bitcoin mixers, I couldn't wait until like the drama started about you know whether it was good or bad to mix the Bitcoin. I mean, so that's another topic. Like, I mean, I have one of the topics I've always kind of not wanted to talk about with the public is the fact that I don't really think money laundering should be illegal. You know, like the crime itself, if the crime itself is illegal, that's one thing. But once the money's changed hands, like the cleaning of the money shouldn't be illegal. I think, I feel like as a Bitcoiner, I I'm kind of forced into that position and it's made me think a lot about that. And, uh, I don't know. I was hoping that this was going to become like a huge conversation with people. Well, didn't did you expand to. on that? Uh, no, I kind of, uh, I completely agree. Well, I'll just, I'll just say like before I thought, I just, just thought it was no question that money laundering should be like illegal. I mean, I'm having a whole, you know, existential crisis about government <laughs> legality and everything, but like money laundering itself, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about whether that should be a crime because like, you know, don't we believe that if you get a $20 bill that like it's clean, no matter what its history is, you know, I mean, like, isn't money, I mean, it, even if you agree that a crime has been committed, once money has exchanged hands, you could then believe that there's, there's nothing wrong with money laundering, that like money laundering isn't a crime in itself. It's just the original crime. Money laundering was a way to steal money steal money from criminals without having to uh, absolutely prove that they committed a crime. Like it was, it was a way around to give the, the police and the government more power to enforce the, either the prohib- prohibition of, I mean, that's, that's what they got. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's universally a major thing that they get for drugs alcohol prohibition like all during that period is money laundering you think about it just as a as a thing money laundering is just not telling the government where the money came from it's not even not paying taxes on it in fact usually the act of laundering is putting it through a business so that they pay taxes on it and it looks legitimate Um, yeah that's the whole point yeah yeah and uh pay taxes on it uh and so basically, money laundering is having privacy in your finances, in a sense. Um, and they claim that, you know, if it's from the proceeds of a crime, but therein lies that they can charge you for a crime because maybe you committed another crime. Like, like, like money laundering is like what they're hitting a lot of these Bitcoin sellers for is like, you know, they'll have a, a police officer go in and be like, I'm buying your Bitcoin. This is going to be great. We're doing this peer to peer. Yay. By the way, I'm totally going to do this to buy, uh, uh, illegal IDs, fake IDs online. And the seller's like, I don't, this, that's none of my business. Don't tell me that. Like here, here's your Bitcoin or whatever. And then they arrest the guy that's money laundering that he's, he's selling something that he knows could be used well, for that's a crime. A, that's yeah. Insane. That's exactly what Charlie Shrim got busted for. Yeah. That, I think that's totally yeah. insane. Like it's, it's to do something that isn't a crime but to insinuate that either it was around or for a crime and without any explicit connection to it. Um, and I just think that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Um, like it's totally removing objectivity from the law and it's just, it just allows subjective authority to, uh, enforce things on people and to, uh, attack people who you can't really prove committed a crime. Like it's usually a shortcut to punishing people. And th this type of blacklist thing is, you know, it's you, it's going to be, you know, us companies who do this and they are doing it to try to look good to the regulators. And it'll be funny to see if they end up appealing to the authority of the wrong, you know, authority figure where like they should be appealing to the, the consensus rules. Like that's the real authority figure. And uh, it's like you've, it's like they're, they're forking away and trying to enforce their own consensus rules and it's just not going to work. And it's going to be bad for them in the long run because the rules that you're trying to enforce, no one else is trying to enforce and they're not actually enforced on the network. And it's going to end in uh, in lost business and damaged reputation for them trying to do this stuff. And if you run a centralized exchange, you don't need to blacklist stuff. Think about, um, you don't need to blacklist at the protocol level. You can just, you know, restrict withdrawals or ask for other information from people or uploads or anything else. But you don't need that level of restriction. You can just, you can do that anyway without the information sharing and the actual blacklist if you are that suspicious of your users. I guess I just find it weird that I'm in a position like if someone were to ask me, oh yeah, the scammer, or like all this money went to the scammer's address. I bet all these eyes are going to be on this address now. I bet everybody's going to watch where that goes. Like, don't you think it's a good thing that we all watch where that goes? And I have to be like, no, like I don't like, I kind of, think it's a bad thing that people are going to watch where that goes. And that makes me feel like I'm a bad person somehow. Cause like, it makes me seem like I don't want to catch the scammer. So the Mount Gox situation, right? You know, money was lost, obviously. I think the FBI sees some money and stuff like that, but I think there was a general place where most of the stolen funds went to. If you were a customer on Mount Gox, would you be paying attention to where your scammed money went? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you weren't, if you weren't a customer though, and other people got scammed, you wouldn't be paying attention. You wouldn't care. Yeah. That's kind of like the dilemma I'm in, you know, I don't know. Cause it's like, all right. If someone steals a $20 bill from someone else, do I want that $20 bill to immediately be marked and like every other person that gets that $20 bill like is identified? Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of like the concept of, you know, not judging the son from the sins of the father. It's like, I don't care where this money, like say somebody steals something and then they come to my shop and buy a bicycle. Like, they just came to my shop and bought a bicycle. I didn't do anything wrong. Why do I have to know about where this money came from? And why am I suddenly <laughs> a bad guy? Yeah. Know your money's history. 
Yeah. And then the scammer, and then the, so they, they confiscate my money. And then I already gave the, the guy who bought the bicycle, the bicycle. And now, now I'm the loser. I'm like, shit, I just lost the bicycle. Yeah. So where do we got to keep tracking the guy. Now, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like, I don't see it as a bad thing that like particularly wild Bitcoin network is highly transparent, which to some degree it always will be um, that we're trying to catch scammers or we're trying to catch thieves. Like this ultimately is a good thing. Um, in fact, that's the only good thing about being able to trace the money is to catch people who, who gained it um, uh, immorally. But the, the problem is the trade-off that comes with that, the level of abuse, corruption, and the, the lack of security that honest people get that people under despotic governments um, are subject to. And that's why at the end of the day, like the fact that that is possible is a net negative. It is good while, it's, while it is a possibility that we take advantage of it, for the right reasons, but ultimately those reasons are subjective. And at the end of the day, I want privacy. I want privacy to be easily possible. And I want as many people to protect themselves and take advantage of it. Um, but I, I think that's just kind of something that comes with time. But like these blacklists, like with exchanges and stuff, for reasonable amounts of money, like, like lower amounts of money and for like, small expenditures and stuff if you're not moving like a hundred million dollars or something like let's say they blacklist your address well you can also just really easily set up a channel with somebody on lightning if they accept lightning you know projecting this in a couple of years into the future here um opening up open up a lightning channel and then just spend over lightning and they have no idea where the hell it came from or spend on a loop in loop out service in china from somebody who doesn't give two two shits what you know what the u.s is saying and have them loop out to your deposit address or something like that um like the ability to get around that and get privacy back particularly with lightning as an option um if it really does blow up like i i hope and really think it will i i see it as a short term this is a transition you know yeah i was yeah i, I don't know if anybody else felt like this but when i first heard about the attacks uh I was, I guess I was on it pretty quick and I was telling a friend, I was like, oh man, this is so sophisticated. This guy is going to be some genius. Like as soon as Bitcoin transactions go to this address, I bet it's already in a mixing service. It's already going to get into lightning. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome to see what he's got set up here. Oh. And then it's like, he didn't, he didn't have anything. And that's what made me think that this was like a, um, you know, somebody just finding keys running in a car and just stealing a car just because they saw it. Like, yeah. it made me think this attacker really did not think through this very well. Like, I just can't imagine. Like, if I ever, like, if my morals were ever low enough and my balls were ever big enough to do something like that. <laughs> like. Your morals hang as low as your balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, nasty. Let's say, let's say that that, uh. Uh, situation arose i would I, I would spend half of it trying to get privacy i would be so freaking paranoid <laughs> like i would mix 
into channels and then then loop out and then mix like i would spend i would spend weeks trying to get this as unbelievably far from connections at that level like i just can't imagine that somebody was you know had access hacked twitter like this and then didn't know or just thought that they could just mix it once or something, you know, just like casually doing something and not just overboard and overkill 10, to, 10 different ways from sideways, you know, it just, uh, I don't know. I just can't imagine people are, are lax in that one. It had I, to be I a kid. Kick the I, hornet's nest. Like yeah. I, I, I missed the beginning of this conversation, but uh, has anyone mentioned that they think that this was a conspiracy? This wasn't what it appeared to be. No, nah, let's do it. Let's dig into okay. that. So, also, have we started recording? I'm totally on board. So before, yeah, before, before we go into the okay, perfect. Cool. Before, Let me just throw it out there. Uh, go ahead. Before we go, oh, yeah, packets. go ahead. Before we go into this conspiracy stuff, I do want to touch up on um, Steve's topic of uh, money laundering is not. How do I word this? Money laundering is not necessarily something that should be prosecuted by the state or something. Or how how would you word yeah. it, Steve? Well, just the act of money laundering itself is not the illegal thing. You can do something okay. illegal to obtain money, but once you have the money, the money laundering itself is not illegal. It's you so, think about it, yeah, go uh, ahead. Yeah. Uh, is who got hurt and who did you steal from during money laundering? Neither one of those things happened. It's a victimless, victimless crime. What you did is you didn't tell the government the truth about where your money came from, essentially. Um, so if if nobody got hurt and you didn't take anybody's rights you didn't steal anybody's freedom you didn't take you know something that they earned or made or whatever it that's not the crime you know maybe you murdered somebody and got paid for it and you're a terrible horrible crappy person yeah, dude. <laughs> the act of hiding the fact that that's where you got the money from is not itself a crime so i i kind of disagree with Jesus this a little Christ. bit um and and let me let me throw out okay. kind of, um not i hate that i'm missing out my my conspiracy shit because i love to talk that crap but um look if you look at the elements of the of the crime of money laundering per the department of justice it, it appears that you are actually an accessory after the fact you're going to be prosecuted for a less significant crime um, so let's say uh, Steve runs in and holds up the truest, whatever the fuck that actually is now, um, down the street and jacks them for 1500 bucks and then comes to me and says, help me launder the money. Um, it's an attempt to conduct the financial tra transaction knowing that the property involved in the transaction represents the proceeds of an unlawful activity, that you're aiding in the furtherance of that unlawful activity after the fact. That that's the that's the crime that you willingly and law and and in violation of the law know that you're aiding a criminal and furthering his intent. That's I think the the major distinction and what they look for in money laundering. So let me let me okay. let me let me click on money laundering and Bitcoin. Is it illegal to money launder and is it even possible to use the term money laundering with Bitcoin? You know, my first stab at this is that I don't necessarily think that's possible really because honestly if you look at it from a you know obviously not from a stateful approach more from a sovereign individual approach obviously you know it should be nearly impossible for someone to take your bitcoin like literally impossible for someone to, to take your bitcoin from you so if that does happen i mean shit <laughs> that's that's rightfully that person's bitcoin at that point um and you can retaliate try to get it back the best way you can but 
once it's in the other hands of the other party, it's their Bitcoin. I think we got we got softened up by the current um, situation that we're in right now with our current structure, economic structure, where when something does bad, you know, something bad happens to us, we rely on, you know, the government or the state or other third parties to recoup our money for us, right? We, we put it on an exchange, hey, this exchange is FDIC insured or this savings account is FDIC insured. If something happens, hey, you're responsible for getting me my money back. But that's not necessarily gonna be the case. I, well, at least that's just my take. I don't think that's gonna be the case when it comes to Bitcoin. I mean, when it comes to Bitcoin, if you're if you're really just throwing your Bitcoin out there, you can't really say that someone stole your Bitcoin at that point. <laughs> so I, I can I can kind of break that down into two parts. And and again, I'm not agreeing that money laundering is is a is a correct thing, right? I'm just I'm just telling you what what yeah. to tell you when you do this or if you do this. Um, they're looking at financial transactions. This is it doesn't necessarily mean money, right? Anything of value is what they're going to be looking at. So there will be abundance of case law to um, kind of illuminate and illustrate that point. Uh, the other component to this is that let's just contrive a, a small hypothetical. Um, Gene, you, I come over to your house and, um, you know, I see on your desk, you've got these beautiful 24 words written on a sticky note and you haven't done any, anything with your OPSEC yet. And I'm like, I'm going to jack this fool. He has no idea what's coming. And I, and I shove that in my pockets and I go to the, 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 the dirtiest money drug dealing person I know, Steve. I'm like, Steve, I've, I've got 6.15 Bitcoin that I, that I just stole from coin packets. Um, he doesn't even know, doesn't even know it's gone. Oh God, that's the his, worst amount. His obsec is shit. Help me, help me, you know, uh, turn this into some good Bitcoin, put it through uh, CoinJoin and help me get away with the 6.15. Steve, yeah, no does that? Yeah. Steve has money laundered. It is a financial transaction to further my unlawful activity that, that that he knows and knowingly assists me with stealing your stuff. Steve is up shit creek per the. I'm just gonna statute. loop out through through JC's uh, Lightning Loopout channel. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who's writing? I'm who's sure. writing their passwords and seed words on sticky notes? I mean, so I have, unfortunate. I, that's unfortunate. I, I, I have a story about that. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, so uh, going back to that Twitter thing, just real fast. Um, I I genuinely think that this it, the, the the scam that was pulled was not the scam that everyone thinks this was. This was uh, the Chinese government giving uh, Twitter beans for the whole TikTok bullshit that's been going around and letting everyone know they just wanted it to look like it was a Bitcoin scheme and uh, scheme and all the money that got sent and moved around is money that they sent to themselves. Oh, you know, no way, man. Oh, just, just hear this me is out. Mr. Robot. If I'm selling fake jewelry on the sidewalk and, and that fake jewelry is just, it's, I need, I need to convince Steve and his, and his girlfriend was, they walk by this legit. I have Guy Swan stand there as, as my guy. Oh, oh yeah, oh, these, these necklaces look beautiful. I'll buy one. Oh, sure, how much? 20 bucks? Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. So you, you fake these transactions to, to encourage other people that they're finding value in it so other people will send it so that it looks legitimate. Why would they not do anything to obfuscate what they're doing with their Bitcoin unless they didn't give a shit? It's the only See, explanation. This was, this was my original thought. 
Like, um, and I think I saw somebody tweet it and I was like, oh yeah. Like, like that just like my, my initial thought was like, you know, there was just the big hullabaloo about TikTok being Chinese spyware. And then it was like two days after Trump did, uh, uh, or at least people were talking about this. I'm not sure if something was like signed or maybe he just said something who, who the hell knows it's Twitter. Um, but somebody was talking about how Trump, um, put like new, uh, restrictions on trade with China or something. Um, and, uh, and that, that all kind of just like culminated at the exact same time. And then like two days later, Twitter gets like God moded. Um, so that seemed perfectly, perfectly reasonable to me that like they were playing, they're playing cyber war games, you know? Um, and I mean, you know, sovereign individuals talks all about this is, and, and this is, it's not like this is like unheard of. Like this is, super common like we, we know that this is a huge part of politics now is playing with the security of each other's infrastructure and making sure that you installed our encryption algorithm because we got a back door for it um and like i i have no doubt in my mind that there is a lot of a there is a game going on between intelligence agencies as to who owns who um on the internet uh but the fact that there was actually a conversation with, again, this, I actually didn't go check. So this could totally just be Twitter doing its thing. Um, but I heard that there was a conversation with a, uh, in like a, like 4chan, not, not 4chan, but the hacker equivalent, you know, like an IRC chat, you know, everybody knows those little dark ass corners of the internet. Um, and uh, there was this clearly a kid uh, who went by the username Kirk, who was actually telling people that, oh my God, I got, I got this. I'm going to, I'm a bust up Twitter. Who should I hit? Or like something like that. And then like kind of bragging about it, which obviously could be China too. Like, like if we're talking about like intelligence agencies or whatnot, like how, I mean, that's that they, they pose as people, you know, that's what the Mark force did on the Silk Road. Um, so still that could be a thing. Uh, but I don't know. I've walked it back a little bit. I don't even know if I have like a good reason for it, but that was kind of my original thinking is that like that actually makes sense, but I'm less convinced for some reason. And I don't know if it's anything concrete or if it's just <laughs> days have passed and now I'm curious. I don't know. Are you sold, uh, uh, Jared, are you sold on the fact that you think that's what it is? Or were you just introducing the conspiracy theory? Yeah, I, I'm sold on that's what happened. I mean, if you're going to spend that much efforts to get that much access, and you post a, a what I would consider to be a pretty stupid and pretty shallow scam on Twitter. I mean, like, the, what kind of actual Bitcoin is the people that hold actual Bitcoin are actually falling for this? Uh, someone said that they walked away with about 115. Is that, is that, the, is that the number? I think it was 130,000. 130,000 for, for the amount of effort they must have gone to to gain access to Twitter. It seems to me that it would cost more than 130,000 to get that level of access. My question is, is that level of access? Like I'm questionable about the competence of some of the people in these companies. You know, these are huge companies. So it might not have been that expensive. Even if it was China, it might still not have been that hard. Um, like, what was it? Uh, it was, which one was, uh, 
I think it was like Equifax. It was one of the one of the major government and or financial ones, um, because that's what just made it seem so hilarious to me was that the hack was literally because a top level, like a very important employee with a lot of connections and a lot of authority uh, used the word password as their password, like legit, like like slapstick joke, like you'd find it in a dumb movie. Like I used password as my password, guarding hundreds of millions of dollars worth of equipment, accounts, people's uh, uh, people's uh, identifying data and everything. And somebody just kind of stumbled and checked. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, so, so, I'm not necessarily sure that's, I mean, how sure are you that's the case? Because from what I saw, um, they were talking about that uh, there might have been some like phishing Twitter pages even that were, because they had 2FA set up. So they had to bypass their 2FA as well as whatever their password was. So they had to man in the middle their 2FA, um, which is what they ended up, as far as I know, doing. You talking about the Twitter hack, JC, or are you talking yeah. about uh, Equifax? Oh, sorry, I was talking about Twitter hack. I don't know about the Equifax. I was, guy was just talking about the, the Equifax hack. Oh, okay, yeah, my bad. <laughs> well, I mean, he, like, that could still completely apply though like if if they did have to do another step of like doing the two factor that the employee or the god mode didn't have access to see i'm curious i i don't know if i heard anything specific about whether they man in the middle of the two factor or if uh they just had access at a level that they could just like unclick the you know the two factor on these accounts and just like run wild most of these companies, including Google, they all like it's standard to use like um, security keys, like physical security keys in your keychains. Like, like that's like that's been standard for a while. And I'd be surprised if Twitter wasn't also doing that, but maybe they weren't. But I did, I think I did read something about that they did man in the middle of that. But that said, um, in my yeah, that's a little bit more involved. Yeah, but it's not like, but it's not at the same time like you have to be like extremely sophisticated um, if you have the right access. So, I mean, there are things like, like once you've logged in once, like you've got a login token and you just don't let it expire, things like that, so that, you know, you can kind of try to stay in the session. But um, sometimes, like these groups of people, and I speak from a little bit of experience when I was young, like they do it all day long, but they don't have any money. Like, it's just that that's what you do all day. Like some people play Call of Duty all day. Some people like talk on Twitter all day. Some people are on voice chat on Discord with their friends, like trading access codes and trying to hack random bullshit so they can sell like Twitter names or whatever all day. And it's because, and they don't have any resources. Like they can't do like a massive short on some exchange or create a million KYC IDs to like, to like pump Tesla or something. Like they don't have any money, but they do have like, Hey, I got this access to make new emails on Twitter with this new exploit or whatever. Um, so that I can get some new Twitter IDs. And then one of your buddies is like, hey, what about those Bitcoin scams? Like, we could make some money. Like if we did the Bitcoin scams that they always do all the time, like they wouldn't do that if they weren't making money. So we should just do like, the, hey, give me a Bitcoin get two back type thing. I think it would be easy. It's like, man, that's a good idea. We'll get rich. And then, you know, they didn't get that rich. But So how do you, how do you uh, uh, stand on the China thing? Is it just a no-go for you completely? Oh, what the China did it for? I wasn't, I didn't follow that whole thing. Why did you? Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So the prompt was, uh, 
uh, is this uh, like a backlash against like the Trump talking about possibly like banning TikTok because it's just Chinese uh, spyware and um, and then potentially some tariffs or regulation or something that had to do with China as well. Um, because that was just like days before this Twitter hack and that this is just set up to look like some random hacker who's doing a very childish scam at, but hacking Joe Biden, Elon Musk, like, like just showing that like we own you and that that was just actually a political statement. No, I don't think so. I think you wasted your, your, you wasted your, your strike back if you wasted it on that. Like, there's so many things you could do, like, say, like, China number one or whatever from Bill Gates' account. Like, that would be a real smack in the face. And China could still plausibly deny it. They're like, it wasn't us. It's just some troll saying China number one on, like, everybody's account. Like, you know, it's not like we just post that Trump video of just China, China. <laughs> yeah. China, so, China. You know, they could have actually, like, if they wanted to be, because it was childish. If China did that, it was a childish thing to do. And if they wanted to be childish, they could have been childish in much more effective ways. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the accounts that were hacked, it's like if you were a kid or if you were in like the crypto community, those are the, the type of accounts you would go after. Like this is not like this is not like Mr. Robot in a dark army. Like if they if China really hacked Twitter, like it would be more catastrophic than this. Like they would, they would have actually utilized it. <laughs> like That's proper, a good Proper point. psyops. That's a really good point that you mentioned is that these are exactly the accounts that would first come to mind of somebody who's just hanging around on Bitcoin Twitter, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, yeah. I think that's really the kayfabe explanation. I think that's just nothing but kayfabe. They, they <laughs> that. That's what the is game. that? That's like uh, it's a game. You know, it's a game, so you play like it's a game. That they would pick these companies, knowing that everyone would be like, "Oh, it's crypto. This is what a cryptonaut would do." Um, the, the other component <laughs> to this is if this was truly some kind of like script kitty or some kind of hacker who's who's really good and wants to make some money, why not take one at a time? and just blast something like absolutely incendiary from Elon Musk. Like, you know what? Fuck the SEC. I'm a Nazi. And just buy low. Buy Tesla low. Just crash one at a time. No. <laughs> There's an obvious reason why not. Because that requires for cubal things. First, upfront capital. Uh, and second, like, you're not going to make a massive amount unless you're buying like super crazy. 100x options. leverage. 100x. What are you talking Even about? still, you still need upfront capital. And your your KYC somewhere, so you're a lot easier to trace, and you risk that capital because if I don't know who you are, they take your money or freeze your money. Like the only reason why they use Bitcoin is because Bitcoin doesn't have any trust involved. You don't have to trust that Coinbase isn't going to stop people from giving you money or freeze your account. You don't have to trust that uh, E-Trade isn't going to like tell who you are to the feds and also stop your money and steal your account. Like you can just do it, and it's done. And you don't need any money up front to do it. And that's the most important thing. I think the biggest reason a lot of people just gloss over entirely, they don't have any money up front. Like they need money. They don't have like 200K to put into options or whatever. I feel, I feel like JC knows, the, knows these kids personally. I kind of feel like I do too. I feel, I feel, because, like, oh, I feel like it was JC that kid. Oh, when God. I, no, no. I it was, listen, I was JC in the chat room. Ago. Okay. <laughs> Shit. These are my friends. Don't These, talk well, bad about them. It's it. very possible. When I looked into Don't the talk most bad recent about Jeff. Uh, when I looked into the most recent um, like analysis from Twitter, 
they said that the, the, the account they were trying to get or that these were a bunch of name hackers, people that steal names and sell them, and that the account they were trying to get was the at six account, which is Adrian Lemo's account. Adrian Lemo used to be, I used to run a freaking group when I was young, and he used to be part of my freaking group. There's a small group, like 30 people. Uh, Lucky255 was another one. That's who manages the account now. Like, And we mostly did name hacking, but on Yahoo. So it literally is the same. Like, it's my crew, but like the 2020 version of it. <laughs> So that's why I feel like this is what happened. We're that's saying hilarious. A, a freaking, freaking freak. Ph. 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 Freak. Yeah. Like the phone freaks. Where yeah, it came we from. used to do oh, this. Freak. We used to get uh, on the phone. This was before, like, you know, we had all like flip phones, and every, <laughs> like, every Saturday and sometimes during the week, we'd get together and we'd like trade like T-Mobile credentials. We'd like just whatever we got over the week. We'd social engineer during the week, and then on the weekend, we'd like so we'd like trade, and then we'd start like prank celebrities and stuff we never did it like for money except for the the names we get on yahoo we just did it for fun and like exploiting and um most of us were in 2600 groups so occasionally would like publish something on 2600 or whatever but that's what we used to do and none of us had any money and none of us were trying to make any money we're just doing it for fun but i mean like if we ever had some easy way to make money like this probably we would have done it but it's not like we would have been able to like put up hundreds of thousands of dollars to short some market or something is there a group called the Bitcoin Freaks? <laughs> there should be. <laughs> That's a good one. Can we be that? What up, freaks? Bitcoin Freakers. <laughs> but also, if it was a group like that, they feel perfectly happy with $100,000 worth of Bitcoin. Like, they do not feel like, oh, I could have made so much more. They're like, fuck yeah, I made hundred grand fucking Bitcoin on this stupid little hack. And they'll get another stupid little hack later. Stacking sats. Well, they're doing a pretty shit job of of hiding themselves and that Bitcoin, right? I mean, maybe they didn't think this all the way through. They did a lot of little weird things, like that make me think they're not part of the Bitcoin community. Um, uh, like, for example, they use SegWit address, which most wallets, not most wallets, but a lot of wallets won't be able to send to. So, like, if you're using like a BitPay wallet, there's a lot of customers and a lot of dummies who would not have been able to send them Bitcoin because they used a less compatible wallet type. Um, that's kind of an oversight. That's a good point. Yeah. I think it was done really quickly. But who knows? Yeah, Maybe plus the hack didn't last that long. So like the real core audience that would have sent them droves of money, like the people who have no idea what Bitcoin is, they didn't have enough time to freaking set it up and send, send, them, send them bitcoin right you gotta set up a cash app you gotta link a bank account uh then there's like a verification uh, process with the bank account um yeah it's like it's only people that were in bitcoin already that could have possibly sent them money within that time period because i think the hack only lasted like maybe 30 minutes or so right or Oh, God. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You're reminding me now. I mean, it's like a lot of little trading groups. And I remember in some of my groups when it was first happening, like people would like, and this was after like, so I tried to warn everybody in most groups that I was in when I first heard about it. But like, even after that, like they wouldn't, they didn't read the whole, all the messages. And somebody would like link like Bill Gates Twitter and be like, dudes, Bill Gates doing a giveaway of Bitcoin. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, no, he's not, man. <laughs> Don't send him that money. Yeah. Like, good luck with that. Ooh. Like these are tra like traders, like not the dumbest people. I mean, like you know, they're not the smartest people, but they're not like some 
grandma like oh i got some bitcoin for you bill gates like these are people that are using you know at least trading bitcoin fairly frequently and they're like oh my god let's get on that bill gates giveaway no it was just a it was just a bunch of old ladies it was it was just grandmas that's all it was (laughs) they were just like I gotta get my cold card. Where is it? I'm gonna send out some beer coins. Oh man. I just thought of a reverse blacklist. What about a list that maintained all the people that sent money to the scammer (laughs) and froze the rest of their Bitcoin? That's hilarious. You guys are too stupid to Bitcoin. (laughs) Like Get out of here. Your coins aren't worth nothing. You really don't want to participate in a scam because you might get blacklisted. I would run that node, man. It's called Darwin's node. Darwin's ah, node. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's gold. But wouldn't a blacklist need to be like something that's agreed upon by a good amount of people? So like it wouldn't it wouldn't strike me as effective if only like a few companies like Coinbase and a few other exchanges did the blacklist, but other exchanges still accepted that those coins. I mean, in the end, I think most of it's just for show, you know, I mean, like, I don't think they really think they're going to prevent like scammers or whatever from getting money onto their platforms. I think they're doing it so that they can go to congress or the sec or whoever the hell it is and lay out this big binder of crap and be like look at all this stuff we're doing to make sure that crime isn't involved in our exchanges like they're just sucking up to the political like uh the political wins you know what i mean like uh they're just playing the game um and they just don't they don't really have any principles or care like the other way like they're not gonna stand up and fight for like you've got to have privacy no they just want to make money um, I mean, they're selling shit coins, you know, like they don't, they don't care about any of this stuff. They're just playing the game. And honestly, that's a good move. If you take all the philosophy and principles and all that stuff out of it, it's like, yeah, yeah, duh. That's what you got to do. Yeah. That's like the good thing or weird thing, but good thing about how heartless people are the CEOs of these companies and stuff, because they actually don't care. Like they just want to fake everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if it's ineffective, like or if it's ineffective, like I don't think they're going to give a shit as long as it looks like they're doing something. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They just want to look like they're doing something to these people. And they, they want to look to the Bitcoin crowd, like they care about Bitcoin and they want to look to the, you know, U.S. armed forces, like they care about privacy and all that stuff. But people like this actually don't care about anything. And that's a good thing. <laughs> like they're just posturing everywhere. Brian Armstrong. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's like at the end of the day, at least they're incentivized to provide a good service, you know? Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. Uh, uh, otherwise their, their lack of principles, they wouldn't be good. They wouldn't be any good. At least the market demands that they do something useful to get our Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Like when I see like other like folks like Naval and these other big name guys on, on Twitter and they're just, you just, you just read their tweets after the hack and it's like, they're dreaming about, Oh my God, this much power someone had and they <laughs> right. wasted it on this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, 
Oh my God, man. It's so amazing just watching them just think through that whole process on Twitter. So I would have shorted, I would have shorted Tesla. I would have, you know, uh, freaking started World War Three and made money on arms dealing. Like, oh, I'm like what the no, hell? No, that's too far. That's too far. <laughs> I can't do that. Man, see, 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 I would, I would constantly go between this trade-off of like how stressed do I want to be <laughs> on like a normal basis for the next two or three years versus how much money am I getting out of this? Because for at least two or three years, I'm going to be just scared shitless that I am about to have my door busted down and like the FBI come busting in. Um, oh my God. I'd have a hard time. I'd have a hard time wreaking a lot of havoc. Maybe I'm just a baby. Maybe I'm just a wuss. Well, you know, if we'd have had this conversation before the hack happened and we speculated about how much money do you think you'd make if you could take over every account on Twitter and pull a Bitcoin two for one scam, like, you'd probably think you'd make millions of dollars, I think. Yeah. If you had Bill, I mean, like, it's not like they went into it thinking, we're only going to get 100 grand for this. You know, they probably thought they were going to do better. Mm-hmm. And they're probably very disappointed. Yeah, the mini schemes seem to make more money than that. Like the, uh, the little the Vitalik schemes where they post, like, Vitalik links to send me money after, like, any tweet that makes any sense and has any traction they posted like like the fake metallic tweets like those seem like they really like a lot of money for some reason oh, i don't because know it's eth oh, oh. Because it's, it's because it's <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're happy to give it away they're they, they were just yield varming it on got us 20 minutes sur- ago surplus like, yield here you oh go oh my god look at all these profits i made from my yield farm and now i'm gonna double my money by sending it all to joe biden oh <laughs> Joe Biden, take my surplus yield, please. These scams make money. Bitcoin scams don't make anything. Holy they shit. only make off the small percentage of Bitcoiners who happen to be drunk or on drugs during the one time that that tweet goes out. Because they're the only ones that are dumb enough to send it. <laughs> A fool and his Bitcoin soon departs. What do you guys think oh, of yo. Biden's like initial response or knee-jerk response, was, which was what just... What was it? Yeah, what, what, it's just like oh, I don't own any Bitcoin. I will never ask you for Bitcoin. By the way, will you uh, donate to my campaign donation? Ah. <laughs> Fucking guy! <laughs> I was like, that was the highest irony. Send me any Bitcoin, but send me dollars. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he he had to say that. If that's like a a press person that did that, like. Somebody probably spent a long time on that. He was probably, he had a a whole committee of people talking about what the tweet response was going to be. And somebody came up with that and they're like, this is it. We're sold. This is going to be a good one. All right, let's do this. Sometimes I feel like he needs, he has the opposite of that and he needs that very badly. (laughs) He should have that for everything that he tweets. He should have that in his ear at all times. He's probably like, fuck, you guys should actually send me that Bitcoin. <laughs> Let me send out a real tweet. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I have a, uh, a good converse, uh, good topic here. Uh, if you guys don't mind changing. Did anybody hear Brett Weinstein go on the What Bitcoin Did podcast a few days ago? No. 
No, Brett Weinstein. That. No, I didn't. So do you know who Brett Weinstein is? The guy that had the whole race thing with the, what was that college called or whatever? Evergreen. Evergreen College. You guys What's know about this guy? Yeah. Sort of, not in great detail. Can well, all right. So the CEO of the Intellectual Dark Web. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's one of okay. these Joe Rogan type figures. I mean, he he was on Joe Rogan the other day too. Anyway, okay. that's. I, I mean, I'm gonna bring this back to crypto. So he got like you know his college had like a day where all the white people were supposed to stay home, and like he refused to stay home. And it's much deeper than that. He's like just a biologist and holy shit like yeah anyway he got like kicked out from his college because of all this stuff but he's seems like a pretty reasonable guy but anyway he went on um you know peter mccormick's podcast and was like hey i want to reach out to the bitcoin community he said crypto community that was the issue but anyway they got past that and then he was like you know i'm starting this campaign where we're trying to get these uh Democrat and Republicans together on one ticket and we want crypto to be on our platform because uh you know we think we kind of have the same goals in mind like I feel like this is the first legitimate effort to actually get Bitcoin and crypto on like the political tickets but That's you guys didn't see that so I, I do I, did I saw it okay I, I do like Brett Weinstein um, and I don't know if I like story. Him, to be honest, but anyway. Well, I mean, I respect the stand he took because I think it was the right move. Anyways, uh, but I don't like his <laughs> that political plan that he's got because it, it obviously it's obviously not going to work. I don't think, and I don't like the plan. But uh, I, I also didn't get the feeling that he was that you know into Bitcoin or he wasn't really knowledgeable about it, you know, and, um, I don't know. I don't really think he understood the opportunity. Yeah. Can you, can you explain again what he was trying to do with Bitcoin again? I kind of got lost there. So, okay. He has this plan for 2020 to take one Democrat and one Republican and put them on a ticket together and have them do a coin flip for who's president and who's vice president. And it changes after every, uh, you know, in the next four years. And um, he's just trying to get support for it, just to have, like a more reasonable dialogue because he feels like the political process has been co-opted just like everybody. And he's trying to, but he believes that government can work for people and he's trying to restore that. But he went, he went on, but it's weird because he doesn't have a good understanding of cryptocurrency at all. He was still saying things like blockchain technology and all this stuff. He He really didn't get, the like deep decentralized open source nature of Bitcoin compared to the other coins. He was just, it kind of felt like he was just fishing for an audience in the crypto community. Yeah. Cause uh, based on what you're saying, he doesn't really need Bitcoin for that. Right. Now, well, so to his credit, he did say that um, most of the problems in politics are because of monetary policy and the money printing is only helping the rich people. It's not helping the poor people. So he, he, he got it to that extent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give him credit for that. And so he, he thought that that is, you know, why the crypto community would be on board with him. But he obviously hadn't done any real thinking about Bitcoin. So I don't know. I don't know what to say to that.
I mean, it's a better attempt than any other politician has made. Wow, I just caught him a politician. I bet he would hate that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm always worried and cringe whenever I see attempts to politicize Bitcoin or like make Bitcoin like associated with like a political, um, how do you, like a ticket. Like he he's doing something where he's trying to do like a bipartisan type of setup for running America, basically. Yeah. That particular part does not require Bitcoin, but the stuff that they will do if the government's effective, like the monetary policy, yeah, let's speak to that and how Bitcoin can work with that. But everything else, like that that idea, like, just, I mean, if you want to do that, just pitch it and see how many people are on board and try to make it happen. Fuck, <laughs> that doesn't really need Bitcoin. Yeah. But what about when Papa Frito aligns Bitcoin with his political idea? That's, hate, that's okay. That's, that's cringy. No, no, no. That's <laughs> fucking horrible. That's that can't that can't be. I don't know. I've voiced it before, but I mean, it's like Bitcoin is not fucking one stance. It's like it's every individual stance about Bitcoin. Like if you're an individual, you have complete control over your Bitcoin not the next person, not Papa Frito, not uh, Brett Weinstein, not Donald Trump. Like that's your Bitcoin, <laughs> nothing else. And that should, ha- that should be how it is. Yeah. That, that's one of the things like, and as far as like, as far as Bitcoin goes, there is no subjective idea of we, you know, like you have to make the decision and it's your your coins your keys um and it supports it it supports it gives defense and it allows the holding of value for anyone of any political persuasion like that inherently is reinforcing a certain ideology a certain political ideology libertarianism and individualism in a sense um because it's simply decentralizing the power and the authority over it at that level. But in and of itself, it doesn't really care what the ideology of any individual person is. It will help, you know, it's the money of enemies. Like it, anybody can use it. It it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everybody wears shoes, you know, like, like shoes don't care who you are or what you believe or what your political persuasion is, or if you're Democrat or Republican, blah, blah, blah. Like it's a tool and everybody can benefit from it. Right. Yeah, and it's tough. Like when you hear people say like, Hey, Bitcoin is a libertarian thing or Bitcoin is for like rich white kids or rich nerdy white kids. Like, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like it's literally for everybody. <laughs> like, it's 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 not like uh, how do I put this? It's not like it's only for it's enemies like, though. It's, it's not, only it's not uh-huh. for people that like each other. <laughs> but like when you talk about like we talked about this before, like when you talk about money, right? Anyone can fucking use money. Anyone can literally use money. You could be poor and come across money. No, nope, there's no poor person that has never. I'm not gonna say that, but there's very few poor people who have never touched money or have used money. Like every, anybody can use it and money can be used for so many different things. Like Joe Biden stepping on Twitter and saying like, hey, 
I'm willing to accept money from donations. That's fucking stupid. If he just earlier said he's not going to accept, he doesn't, he doesn't have Bitcoin. <laughs> like he, like on his campaign, he should be asking for, if he's asking for money, he's literally saying he's accepting Bitcoin. Like the two should be almost interchangeable at this point. But I mean, I know it's going to take some time, but I, I think we're looking at it like a startup or a technology, like, Hey, um, Facebook, they ban all right, all right wingers on Facebook or Twitter bans left, left, leftist people. Like, no, it's not a technology. It's not a company. Like this is literally just money (laughs) and good money. What's funny is that it's, I agree with both sentiments. Like, I mean, I was, I was just talking about like, you know, it's, it's apolitical and like it supports and is a tool for anybody of any persuasion. Um, and at an individual level, it doesn't care about anybody individually, like, like any individual differences. Everybody is equal. All political persuasions are helped um, equally. You know, if I'm a socialist, I can benefit from Bitcoin just as much as a libertarian. But what's funny is that in a collective manner, when you talk about this from a, from a systemic view of groups of people, of networks of people, Bitcoin leads to libertarianism because it also takes away the collective opportunities or the collective powers that make socialism even feasible, that make communism implementable. Um, like it's, it's also changing the nature of the network. And it's hilarious that I, I think from an individual standpoint, Bitcoin does not help anyone more than any other. But from a collective standpoint, I think Bitcoin will ultimately lead to a huge push toward libertarianism and individualism and basically the collapse of the nation state as the end game, um, to be honest. So it's, it's funny that that's different on different scales to, to me. I got a question. If a person uh, ran for president solely on the platform of making Bitcoin the like national monetary system, how much Bitcoin do you think that person could raise for a campaign fund? Hmm. I would say not much. Not much? <laughs> I'd donate a little bit. I would donate a little bit. I would. I would be like, here's 50 bucks. But <laughs> I would literally, I would let my position would be like, we're going to get that anyway this is my investment in my future. And I don't think the political sphere is going to reward that. Like, it's one of those things is like, how much are you going to donate to the third party candidate? You know, like, it's like, yeah, they're not going to be president. Like, so like our system is so polarized and stupid. I think most people would just be hands off, would just be like, Oh, that's so cool. I will retweet you all day. Here's a thousand <laughs> lightning. Here's two pennies. Because that's neato gang. All right. Let's do oh, it. Oh shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, that's a that's a good question. I mean, it just like doing a campaign and only accepting Bitcoin, 
like it's so hard to like for people to understand like what they're even donating even if they're in the bitcoin space like if i give you 50 bucks worth of bitcoin now when you become if you do become president that shit might become fucking 50,000 you know dollars worth or it it's going to be an astronomical amount or it could yeah. completely yeah. take right yeah, but that's what i'm saying like so there's going to be some ogs some like big whales in the space that are like doing that calculation you know like if i give this guy this amount of money and he does make bitcoin his number one issue like what is the potential you know how's that going to affect the price like i might get my money back just by donating to this guy now that that individual i feel like they would need to have a stockload of they'll need to have a stockload of just cash like usd like on the side to just win the election they're not going to win the election off bitcoin donations it's not happening i don't think so at least yeah and there would be huge scrutiny like there would be that would be a huge backlash they'd be like you're disqualified you know if somebody gave like a hundred million dollar donation or whatever they have to break it up on thousands and thousands and thousands of utxos or whatnot like they'd have to cover the fact there was just one person giving them a hundred million dollars um, that's only 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 CPAC and you know only Republicans and Democrats are allowed to do that. God. It's gonna be an issue though, I think, some at some point, or it might just totally go under the radar and just become the water and like mm-hmm. like email or the internet was never like a political issue. Maybe Bitcoin will never be a political issue. I'm thinking because I doubt that. Water and, you know, it's funny. Water and the internet are starting to become political issues, though. <laughs> like a town, town water, like you're not getting fucking water without fucking going to the town and registering and making sure that they turn your water on. Um, if you have a vaccination, you're not getting water. You're not getting fucking water. <laughs> uh, internet, yeah, good luck with that. Like limited ISPs, like they lock that shit down, like from the company level. They, they enforce their their uh, dominance through their their companies like the cable companies basically so i wonder how that if they want to politicize bitcoin they could really uh, wrap it up into the war on drugs i i honestly feel that that's the avenue that they would take it yeah i agree i I think so too but the war on drugs is dying i don't think that has much political think it's dying no, well, I, no. I was just thinking, like, with like legalization of marijuana and stuff. I thought, I thought more and more people were on the side of thinking war on drugs is not worth it. Is that is that wrong? Yeah, I, I mean, have no idea. Drugs are still illegal. I mean, yeah. marijuana. Yeah, that's one of them that they made legal. But there's a shit ton of other ones that are not legal and are still making so much money. It yeah. still might be not as politically powerful, though. You might have a good, you might have a point there. Um, you know, when everybody's outraged and stuff, there were times where, like, I remember drugs are bad and everything, and that was, that was like a significant conversation in politics. And now I feel like nobody cares, you know, like it's, it's racism, it. it's orange man, it's, uh, um, barely the Fed these days, um, but that's finally becoming part of the conversation. Um, but yeah, I think more people people are worried more about racist chocolate milk. Um, to be perfectly honest, God, it's so sad yeah. to think that like 
the prison corporations are the the people that do the most lobbying for making yeah. uh, laws illegal and stuff like that. It's like, dude, I know. But, all right, but to get like, I don't know. I mean, if I think about, a, I've been going through this thing recently. Like, if I think about a person that's got a family and they work for this prison corporation and they're just like keeping their head down and just trying to make money for their family and stuff like we can't expect this person to not try to make money for their family by doing this kind of stuff. It's just like, I mean, I get mad at people for their job because my ethics don't agree with their ethics, but it's just stupid for me to expect that they're not going to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. Well, I agree with you, and that's why Bitcoin's so important. Because, like, if I'm the guy that works the Fed, like, I, you know, I'm a human, and I can make money, so I'm gonna make money. Like, that's what I should do. You know, you know I should make myself richer. I should make my friends richer. It's like, you know, but Bitcoin says, hey, no human gets to have that power, and so everybody has to play by the same rules, and nobody just gets to be, you know, king like that. Yeah. I always wonder, like, are we are we in a phase where we just don't understand what would be the next power structure once once I guess hyperbitcoinization is here? Because um, we all know that with the current eco- economics, it's been the state. But what's the next power structure when it comes to like something like Bitcoin? Oh, it's crypto crypto for sure. Sovereign individual. Cyberspace. No, uh, with the sovereign individual and listening to the uh, third wave too. Um, of course, I'm not all the way through that yet. I've gone back to the sovereign individual because we're doing, John Vallis is doing that book club thing. So I'm, I'm trying to listen back through it. But it's funny that both of them have that same framing that, and, and like really when you like look backwards in history, like the nation state is really kind of like as we know it in the level of, power and centralization that it is is actually kind of weird in history um even for things that were like highly authoritative and hierarchical like like kings and kings and queens and like religious governments and the church being the state like sort of thing like even during those times the level of involvement like and the the size and like force like like he talks about like feudalism and stuff and how you actually had multiple jurisdiction like people living under multiple jurisdiction like they might live next to each other but one swore fealty to this guy over on the left and they the next neighbor swore fealty to the guy on the right but and they like they would actually clash like as as knights and stuff and they'd have these you know castles or whatever which made it just this kind of like static these like static power dynamics and they weren't like one giant thing like they were that just had like total control it was actually more broken up than we think of the nation state today and it was actually the industrial revolution that led to this massive like basically this factory of a nation um that was just chasing massive production more weapons more like like this is really kind of in history a phenomenon you know that's 200 years old two two to three hundred years old um and uh it's just a fascinating perspective because 
you realize when, if, if it's that short lived in history, when you look back that it, that it's changed that much in the last 500, 600 years as its role is that it could unravel really quick too. Mm -hmm. You know, like you realize this is definitely a transitional thing. Like, like this is the industrial revolution that led this and the dynamics, the, the, the kind of the, the, um, the trade-offs of violence, um, of violently controlling people and the scale of controlling people has changed drastically in the information age. Um, like people get custom products, you know, like, like we're not a one size fits all world anymore. And it's rapidly going to the, we're producing our own things at home. We all have our own version. Our clothes are made just to fit us. Like it's getting like separated into like ultimate micro worlds. And Bitcoin is a huge force for that exact same thing. Just like we were talking about, like individualism at a protocol level. You mm. own your value. You do, nobody, nobody even manages your money or your financial system anymore. Like it's running on your computer at home, you know? Um, so I think it is. I think we're going to see a huge shift, whatever the hell it is that comes out on the other side of this. But I think it's clear that what we are used to can't survive. You know, like I truly don't think the nation state, the way we think of it is either a something that's as long as old and as stable in history as we think it or b uh like i think we're already over the hump like i think we're on the way out you know and that's like, the third wave. like we're on the way out yeah and that's that's breaking into the third wave like really hard huh yeah no it's it's crazy just just how you described it like that second wave with the industrial age like it's just like you said, like it's been short. It's, it's short in terms of how long it's been so far, but the amount of leverage that was used, like, like using all these people to mass produce, mass, you know, mass do, just do, do things with masses, that leverage alone can go two ways. It can go up and it can go down. And obviously we know, if you, if you guys are familiar with BitMEX, you can lose everything. You get liquidated real quickly <laughs> if you uh, apply the wrong, but exactly if you use the wrong leverages. So nobody um, up here has ever used Bitmax. I don't know where you're never used Bitmax. No, no. Yeah, I'm just. No, we I live just, in America. That would be illegal. Yeah, you can't do that. These are the guys I watch online who right. happen to happen to happen to be you guys. I watch YouTube videos Bitmax. all the time of people trading on Bitmax. <laughs> That's how I know these things. So. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 makes, it makes a lot of sense. And this age of individualism, um, it sounds so bad. Like, if you go out there and just tell, like, maybe your parents or you tell, like, um, I, don't know, I don't know if you guys are in any forums. Just tell, tell like, a, just make a, a tweet on Twitter or something. Just, hey, I'm an individualist. You'll be looked at like you're fucking nuts or you're strange. Like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Like, no, this is... Everyone comes together. We work as a team and we build things. We produce. This is what we do. But um, yeah. <laughs> I've heard I've heard the <laughs> phrase hyper individualism used recently. Yeah. Yeah, it probably just describes a Bitcoiner somehow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the Steve Taleb's take on Bitcoiners. But yeah. <laughs> hyper individualist shit. <laughs> God damn. 
Yeah, it's, it's a horrible. It sounds like a horrible name. Regularly. Yeah. Yeah. When I th- when I think about that second wave stuff um, and the Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution, my mind it goes back and forth. It's like a yo-yo of like decentralization versus centralization. I mean, we have it seemed like Industrial Revolution is centralization in in some sense. We have one factory producing something for a lot of people. Also, we have like the nation state, which seems like a form of centralization. Um, but then we had communism, which was like ultimate centralization that went bad. And then we had capitalism, which was, you know, the idea that a person can just start a business in a remote geographic place. And that's a more decentralized way of figuring out what the needs of the people are. So that form of capitalism was good. But then like that capitalism led to like Amazon and Walmart, which was again, another form of centralization. And like, I can't figure out what the trend, whether the trend since the enlightenment is one of centralization or decentralization. It, I feel, it seems like it's, it's both at the same time. I mean, I, I agree that the internet and Bitcoin, well, I mean, same thing with the internet, right? Like internet was this crazy, form of decentralization but then it started getting centralized with facebook and twitter and instagram and now we have bitcoin that's trying to decentralize it again it's like this do you see what i'm saying it's like this constant battle back and forth i I think it's because um actually did you listen to um uh the episode or the article i read on shelling points uh Lindy or shelling points network effects in Lindy um by like a while ago or recently a little while ago it was like a week or two two weeks maybe. Uh, no I don't think I read that one oh, that it's one. really good okay. um Let's and uh he personified is Willem Willem Vandenberg okay. and he kind of really worked out a bunch of ideas about why communication protocols are highly monopolizing like, like they tend toward one um, and used like his one of his main examples that is one of my favorites in history is VHS versus Betamax. Um, and uh, but he went through like a couple of examples like that. And um, and he helped me kind of narrow down the language of something that I've been thinking for a really long time. But I think the trend that we're seeing, and I think it's really important to look at time scales when you're trying to assess whether or not we're moving towards decentralization or centralization and just how different the landscape is of the next cycle. I think we are in a constant uh, series of two steps forward, one step back, Mm, two steps forward, step back. And you also notice that the cycles get tighter. Wait, which way is forward? (laughs) Two steps more decentralized, one step more centralized. All right. Think about it. Think about it this way. Go back 60 years and look at the difference between centralization on the internet and centralization in media. Like NBC, ABC, CBS. You had three channels. Yeah. That was it. Like if you didn't get on just the scale of the technology and the lack of access alone, was such a powerful form of centralization. They ran the narrative. That's why it was the most together and single narrative the country's ever been, is because there was one place to watch it. 
there's one place to hear about it. And, and that is so scary that, now. But back then, people talked about how it was so it great. Was just, Totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> that everyone has watched the same shows. Yeah. <laughs> now everyone hates that no one watches the same show. <laughs> but like just the, just the variety, I mean, just look at the variety of platforms and conversations and stuff that we have just yeah. on a daily basis. I have like 10 different things open. It's like Twitter is centralized. So are these five other that I've got open at the exact same time? You know, like the problem of Twitter centralization is not as big because we're here on Zoom because we've got a telegram channel we got four of those because you know what i mean like it just over and over and over again we have alternative after alternative and there is really no single person controlling what we say to each other or how we get information to each other they're jc jc controls everything except for jc he's just the worst um i thought it was a good thing it's a gateway <laughs> but you like get what it. i'm saying i think we're taking it's just those those one step backs uh, one steps back um, are just really painful and they're also usually really vicious because the time scale is shorter. You know, like, none of these services are old. You know, Facebook isn't old. If you compare it to, like, you look at it on a historical perspective, it's a blip. Like, we tripped over something and Facebook happened and it's going to change soon. Um, nothing on the internet lasts that long. Um, like there were giants before Google and then there's Google and I think we're in another big shift and I don't think any of these are going to be really as long lived as, or as staples on the internet as we really think they are. Um, so that's my thinking. I, I definitely think we're headed towards decentralization. Back to the citadels, back to medieval times, except for Amazon delivers to everyone. <laughs> except for that one. <laughs> oh the cool the the cool thing that that article got me I, I won't go into it too long or anything um but uh was that the reason market dynamics and market competition doesn't apply to communication protocols and that uh, communication protocols tend powerfully to simply monopolize is because the communication protocol is a requirement for the market to exist you have to have the same communication standard, the same rules, the same definitions, the same money to have a market of competition. So naturally the communication protocol itself must centralize in order for the market to be speaking the same language. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's really cool. You, you should listen to that article if, if, if that topic interests you at all. Okay, yeah, it does. And, and it's so obvious, it's gonna be so obvious looking back that this, centralization of the communication protocol had to happen via an open source project. Like it's just, just for like the sake of humanity, you know, there's no way it can centralize around a company or a nation state and expect us to have like a prosperous future. I mean, it's just, that's just so obvious to me. It's just one, it's one of those things. It's just like, you just want to shake people. It's just be like, do you seriously want a closed source proprietary monetary system running the world? Seriously. <laughs> like, isn't it so obvious that this backbone has to be open source? Seems like a is, bad idea. Is Amazon going to be doing it? Yeah. It's like, Oh, <laughs> is it going to have free shipping? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with Amazon, like Amazon, man, like shit. It's literally a monopoly just 
living right under our eyes and we all love it. I'm, I mean, I don't know yeah. about you guys. Like, Oh yeah. I'm guilty. Fuck, it's great. Yeah. It's a great service. It's a great and service. It's a monopoly. You don't care that it's a monopoly at this point. I think yeah. the point where it becomes bad, that's when it goes away. But yeah, I don't know. It's, they're just doing a good job. I mean, this gets us into the conversation that I think, like, me and Guy, Guy disagree on in that I think people's basic needs are going to be met by these kind of services. And I, I just, I don't, I don't know unless just there's this crazy increase in consumption and just people's needs just go up like crazy. I just think people's basic needs are going to be met so much more efficiently by these centralized services and i just i don't think that's going to require a lot of human labor you know so unless people's needs and desires just go to very strange things that can't be met by centralized services i just well i don't think there being a job for people everyone i uh, i agree with you except when you add the word desires i think people's needs will be met i don't think people's <laughs> desires will ever be met maybe desires i I mean maybe i just need to expand like i i saw this like jeffrey epstein that made these like well yeah that's one good example but like you know yeah in my opinion the way humans are if you give somebody everything he thought he wanted he'll think of something else so like i don't think sounds like suffering to me i think the nature of being human is always wanting more no I, i i agree with that that our wants are uh they're relative like like as soon as we have a thing for a certain amount of time it's no longer like like our desire is also to, as always to push for better or more or new um and i think that's just kind of human nature uh and an example of that is that like was there any need for social media for iphones for zoom like like did, did we really need to have this conversation like you know what i mean like like, like we just when something becomes possible we dream of a new way we can use it and like we just like go do it you know like humans are just kind of like that they always find something else to want um but back to your what about peace and quiet (laughs) i mean like (sighs) what if somebody wants peace and quiet i want peace and quiet sometimes (laughs) (laughs) you're a sociopath i I can't i mean (laughs) I just don't see it where it's like peace and quiet is something nobody wants anymore. It's, it's no, just like, like everything that. you want has to be something can somebody can produce for profit. I just no, I, I don't, don't. I don't see that increasing forever. No, I don't think that that's that's the case at all. Like like I think wants are. I mean, they're subjective and relative. Like a want could be to you know go out and just go hiking somewhere, but as far as like an economy like and like quote unquote jobs um it's just about trading value for value like the value that you could provide is just letting somebody go hike somewhere to have a piece of land you know like like whatever it is um but if you look back through history it's nobody could ever see past the next thing like we just always can't, but somehow at the other side of it, 
all of our free time is what enabled us to do all of the things that is now is now what makes up the market. You know, like go back to late 1800s, like 90% of the economy was farmers. And it was like, well, what am I going to do if I'm not farming? Like just, just when you invent a tractor and you have a machine that takes one one hundredth of the people to do the exact same job, people just find things to do. But doesn't it seem like right now most people are employed through some form of meeting government regulation? Like if you think about, I mean, of the people I know, of the thousand people I know, you know, a lot of them are Jared working as a lawyer. A lot of them are real estate people working to meet all the requirements for real estate. A lot of them are bankers working to meet all the requirements for bankers. Like most of people's, so the way I see this, and this is, you won't agree with this, but the way I see this is that like, <laughs> there actually isn't need. Like there, there isn't enough need for things to be done in the world. People actually don't desire all the crazy shit that we want them to desire to produce jobs. So what the government does is like make all these regulations so that people have something to do. Like, so people have jobs to fill. Like if there weren't government regulations right now, all government reg regulations just went away. It, this, the producers that produce the stuff we consume would still do what they did. And like 90% of the workforce would be out of a job. Well, I mean, I might get bored on Tuesday and go like make burgers for people downtown or something. Like, right, but that's know, not, not going to convince me want. to want more burgers. Here's the like, thing, though. My is desire is to change you. because of that. I completely agree with you talking about this day and age, but I don't think that has anything to do with the nature of people not like having desires. I think that's just a huge misallocation of resources because of the economy, like, because we have a hugely subsidized debt fueled economy. I think we've just gone so frivolous and consumerist. Like our culture's just been ruined by our money. Yeah. And I, I literally just think that like when, when that shift happens, people will simply shift what they want and do. And you're right, 90% of the legacy businesses or the, the idea of what legacy industry is worth a trillion dollars and which one's actually worth like 20 bucks. Um, like no offense to Jared or anything. And I'm sure yeah, he no knows. No offense to Jared, sorry. None but to without the head of time. Full offense. Well, but without a giant <laughs> bloated government, Lawyers are not going to get paid. I'm going to be on a like, diet faster than you can believe. It'll be a millionth the size of the nightmare that it is right now. Um, but again, I just think that's a misallocation of resources. I, I, don't, I don't really think that reflects on human nature on like, we don't know what to want or something like that. It's just that there's probably not a necessity of it because we're producing so much. I hope so. Maybe like people will just start desiring a lot more art and a lot more fun and weird stuff. And that stuff actually can't be produced by corporations. Maybe, maybe that will happen. That'd be great. Time will increasingly become really, really valuable. Um, I mean, it is, it is valuable today, but um, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, look what Bitcoiners value and think about, you know, like it, it does change what you consider important. 
like what you consider valuable. And I don't think that means that there's nothing to produce or there's no problems to solve. Like that's what the market is supposed to do is solve problems, right? In fact, I just think it just changes where the problems are and what we want to do with our lives. And it aligns it towards long-term, more sustainable goals. I think, I think none of you are wrong, but I think Steve is probably more right in this instance. I mean, like, I mean, if you do look at a lot of the new jobs, I think like, he's who wants to do in this instance. <laughs> who wants to do? Who wants to do? Who wants to do Uber Eats? I'm just a lost kid wandering around. <laughs> who wants to do? Who wants to do like Uber Eats where you drive? Like, I wouldn't tell my brother to go drive to like Popeye's Chicken, wait in line for 30 minutes. Like get everything in a little bag, bring it to me, and then give him like four dollars. Like, I wouldn't ask somebody to do that to me as a favor, but like you're kind of forced to do that when you need to do that the other day. (laughs) No, like I mean, like I'd rather do it for like if you want to do it for free, then that's one thing. But I wouldn't give you like four bucks because it's just like slapped in the face. (laughs) You know, like these jobs are not like some of these new jobs are. And it's like we've re we've recreated like uh, um the whole like butler case system. Like a lot of the new jobs are like task rabbit and all this other, you know, like postmates, like you've basically got servants now that are but it's like the centralized servant platforms that lets capitalism complete compete like in an efficient way for your servants. Um and so we get some really cheap servants. Um and I think more regulations come in to try to make it more expensive, of course, and as that happens, maybe less people will use it. Um, but, uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think there, I, I think too much is able to be done, um, by too few. And I don't necessarily think this is a, a bad thing. Um, but I do think it means the system has to change. Like the way we think about work has to change. Yeah. We're, we're um, living to comply. We're not living yeah. to live. Right. We're just living to strictly like, Hey, I need it. Someone told me I need to make money and I need to get a job so let me go do that pick up some job and live and do that like it's almost like steve i'm kind of feeling for you here because like almost like you're get you get so caught up in the busy work of just complying like imagine Mm -hmm. i can't even imagine being a lawyer but you're just (laughs) so caught up just trying to comply that to think for yourself like if i was actually on a farm and i actually was farming shit and i actually made my quota for what i needed to survive like what would I do in that spare time? Like, I would love that, like having that spare time to just like think of shit I'm going to do. Like in this environment, there's so many people that literally they, they're so busy just trying to comply and start just trying to fit in line in, accordan- in accordance to the government that they literally can't think of, they can't breathe, <laughs> let alone yeah. think. You know, what's weird here is that uh, becoming busy has become such a value like right. when I told somebody I was going to like take some time off to figure out what I wanted to do, maybe do something in Bitcoin. I had friends that were just like, don't tell anybody that you need to tell people that you're working, that you're, you're busy doing this. You're busy doing <laughs> that. Like our culture, we thought that, you know, the you know, division of labor and the economies of scales was going to give all this leisure to people, but we didn't realize that people, you know, promoted themselves on how busy they were that like everyone wanted to look busy as a way of making themselves look more socioeconomic, you know, higher status. And so it's like, 
no one actually wants to look like they're not busy. So it's like, it's so weird, man. I actually totally agree. Um, and uh, Packers, I agree what you're saying too. Um, and I genuinely think, um, I think for most of the economy, a job, the idea of what we think of as a job is already outdated. Like, I, like it's already antiquated. It is only propped up because of the way things have been for so long. Um, and I, I think COVID is actually going to be a huge push for it. Like, but it's when stressors come and start breaking those systems and realizing just how much we're wasting on them that you finally actually see sh- like shifting. You finally actually see change happening. Um, but uh, uh, I totally think like, the idea of a job is is going to be a small blip in the history of the world like like a quote unquote nine to five like that is the, that is the that's the staple of the industrial age is that you're just going to do somebody else's thing and and moving it from process a to process b and you're just part of you're just that gear you know like like that's the manufacturing and industrial revolution um right. but we're past that like that's well, not of any value anymore. Like you can, all machines can learn how to do that now. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I kind of agree with that too, but I don't, I think you're neglecting the personal pride that people have in being an essential. You know, did you ever, did you meet anyone that was declared an essential by the government? And <laughs> how, how proud they were of that? Like, holy no, shit. It, and they're it, the most oppressed fucking people. They're the most oppressed people, but they have that pride of being an essential. And like, that's funny. It's like people want that. People want to be like, you know what? I have to work. And therefore, you will respect me more than someone who doesn't have to work. Yeah. People want, People want meaning and purpose. Yeah. And I think it they would want to be the chosen move. one. They want to be the people like everyone <laughs> like that. The chosen one. Yeah. Like I, I am so important. Without this, you don't even know how busy and important I am. Exactly. I, 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 I <laughs> yeah. see this every day, not only in my own office, but also in my own behavior. I'm not going to take the, the <laughs> I do it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite. Uh, there is, there is yeah. oftentimes value in to, that that i find myself saying and finding it valuable to myself and this is so fucking hypocritical i'm saying this for the world to hear but complaining about how busy i am feels like vindicated. loud and proud baby yeah, it's validation <laughs> it's validation of how hard i've worked it's yeah. it's not even a representation of how busy i am it's just someone validate me yeah wow who is it That's tim funny. ferris that came out with the um something hour work week Wow. Like, yeah. like, imagine the shit that that guy caught when he first came out with that. Why would you want that? Why would you want to do that? But it's like, I, you know, I have situations where like, I'll tell like friends, friends and family, like, Hey Gene, they'll, they'll ask me like, Hey Gene, what are you going to do for your birthday? And I'm like, fucking nothing. <laughs> like, Probably nothing. Not much. Like, I just want to sit back and relax and, probably think of some shit I want to do with my next year um, that I'm becoming, but not much. And they're like, how the fuck, like, you're not going to go out and like celebrate and like, uh, no, not really. I'm just going to chill, I guess. <laughs> it's like, 
dude, we we've been we it's like everyone is like you have to be doing something, and yet and by doing something, that means you're purposeful. You're in like you said, you're an essential. Yeah. But I've I've met so many people, especially to, to my wife who, she's like a healthcare worker as well, but she tells me so many stories of like people who are literally so depressed, like they can't see their kids. They're working these crazy hours in, in the hospital, not seeing their kids, not seeing their family, not seeing their loved ones, not getting any time to think. They're just fucking doing work nonstop and are busy yeah. and are literally depressed, but are happy to tell you that I'm an essential worker. <laughs> and I'm happy to tell them that I guess I'm not essential, but I'm good. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm working from home, man. I get to see my kids every, like, any anytime while they're, while they're awake, I see my kids. Like, if I want to call up a friend or, you know, do something with a friend, as long as it's within, you know, reason with work, I could literally have that. Like, that flexibility is golden. But, um, yeah, it's to each, to each their own, right? Yeah, it's a weird time, man. All right, so I'm going to change... Is it, is it okay to change the topic in a yeah, big way? Cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. We've been on this for a while. <laughs> uh, in fact, this kind of goes back to sort of an old topic. Um, but uh, have y'all seen the thing about QAnon and Twitter? Twitter account? No. no what's that, um, what's that this, about? Uh, Twitter just banned, like just re- released a statement too. Um, and uh, just went on an all out, like just wiping of anybody who's like a QAnon account or like sharer. They apparently fully banned 7,000 accounts and then 150,000 got uh, like, um, what's the word? Like uh, not shadow banned, but like restricted, like what, whatever it is, like they don't, they won't be able to like, they won't get as as far in like feeds or threads or trending or anything like the, yeah. the soft bands, you know, what does QAnon mean? QAnon, you know, the Q conspiracy thing, the crap. It's like a, I guess it's a far right thing. And that's probably. Okay. So yeah. in, in a nutshell, it's this like, yeah, tell, tell me what it is. Deep state people that, um, have supposedly discovered this plot to undo Donald Trump and they are inside the white house and there's like secret handshakes and gang signs. You can throw up in the photos. Um, and they leak things on 4chan and 8chan and all the chans. And like the, some of the stuff that comes out from them is truly, truly like it has to be from the white house. There definitely are people, but it is like straight up, um, conspiracy far right conspiracy theory group of people and people have bought into that like lifestyle of following the QAnon. you see bumper stickers in raleigh for it it's nuts damn it's huge that's the one thing i'll say is that i can't believe how many people and maybe it's just because like it's blown up in crypto circles or something recently but um I would only hear it from like that person I know who cues. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden it's just like constantly in my feed. And I don't even know where the hell it's coming from uh, in particular. Uh, and I don't, some of the stuff seems so ridiculous, but I, I'm, 
I am worried that it just all just got flatly banned. Um, I mean, I think it's ridiculous. Some of the videos, uh, like I've seen, you've seen it. the pledge, the pledge. No, what the pledge? I'm not, oh I'm yeah. Not sure. So I've got a lot of, uh, so ridiculous. I follow a lot of the cube. I don't know why I do. I just like to have a very diverse, <laughs> I'm loving this. like a uh, community of on my Twitter timeline. But anyway, there was about like one or two weeks ago that somebody started doing this pledge where basically they do like a like a pledge allegiance to the flag thing, but it's like a QAnon. So it's like so it's like it's the normal I think it's the normal pledge of allegiance or something, I don't remember, but it's like a normal American pledge that you've heard before. Um where you're like pledging to serve the constitution. No, no, it's not the it's like some kind of oath of office. It's like a pledge to like uphold oh, the constitution, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. But like even though they're saying it about the constitution, they usually have like American flag like the actual pledge that they know they're taking is like to serve Q basically <laughs> like, so it's like this slick, like double meaning to the, to the thing. Like, yes, I swear that I'll like give my life for this. And like, you know, and like it just went on a training, like, and you'd follow someone, you'd link someone else that took the pledge and then you'd like, you do your pledge. And most of time it was on video. So you got to see like all these random Q people like, uh, on video just doing pledge but anyway yeah it's just it's i did see a couple of those i didn't realize or i didn't think about it when you mentioned it but i did see like a like a 50 year old lady uh like like, being like i promise to hold the office and yes one constitution one of my favorite parts about that was like seeing what the q people looked like i love that they all did it on camera because it's like yeah that's about what i thought you'd look like (laughs) it seems like it seems like a giant and, That's funny. You know, no boomer hate, but it's a bunch of boomers. <laughs> I got a buddy that works in the military, and I call him sometimes about crypto stuff. Um, and he like is kind of secretly, but not so secretly, a Q freak too, because he'll like he'll like, did you hear about that new Q thing? And I'm like, no, I no, I did not. <laughs> and he'll like try to tell me, but like in a way that I can tell, like you know how you tell your friend something like when you're part of something, but you kind of want to get them in it, but you don't want to scare them off with the cliche like you don't want them to know like you're a cultist god damn what you're trying to like so i feel him like doing that with me sometimes so i always just but i but careful I kinda, with it yeah. i cut it off a little bit though yeah those people are crazy he's like <laughs> yeah but uh, but you ever listen to some of it though i mean like you know uh <laughs> except that it's true but yeah 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 they're crazy yeah <laughs> yeah you guys think the social media bans are just gonna increase of course, but I yeah. mean, why would why would Twitter care about these people? It just sound like the typical conspiracy guys, right? It almost yeah, th- seems like if they ban that, it's because they want to. It's almost like they're doing that. They would do that because they're not necessarily that harmful. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know. See, I'm I'm really curious. It, what's funny is that when Alex Jones and QAnon like gets banned. I don't think they realize maybe they're just stupid, but I think they're leading credence to all they're giving legitimacy to all of these people because you're saying, look how important they are. You know, like we got to get them out of here. They're dangerous. And it's like, well, holy crap, Alex Jones might've been right. Um, So, and, and it certainly entrenches and makes the supporters or anybody who was almost a supporter double down and go like holy crap this is real you know um so 
Like, like I feel like they're gonna that the Streisand effect. Is that I was just called? I was just literally the words right out of my mouth. Like I was like I feel like this is gonna be the Streisand effect. They're gonna make this whole thing worse, and could potentially, you know, this could lead to a huge breakup in the social networks, um, which I, mean, I feel like has been pressure for just pressure building here. I feel like all this is good for that reason. I mean, the internet is still working. You know, you can't. They're not like necessarily crossing out your domain uh dns yet if you're not doing something very illegal so i mean they can do that though and that is another concern you think we just need to, that's one thing i do like about some of the um some of the uh like um i forget the name of it now some of these other smaller blockchains like at least they're a lot harder to take down than dns so in many cases so like you know if i kept my uh dns record on an ethereum smart contract and everybody knew like look at this contract for DNS records, like if that trended, it'd be harder for the feds to like block that than it is for them to block like they do now with certain DNS. But um, but you could also do it on Bitcoin as well. Although I don't, you know, whatever. Um, is that you know I've never is that like public that the feds have blocked certain DNS? Oh yeah, do it all the time. I could probably find one right now that's been recently blocked. Like you go there and it's a big FBI like it's a big FBI banner. Like you do it with like counterfeit goods um wow. stuff like that and they they frequently um like if you were to run like a like a portal that links to darknet stuff like you might get your and it's it's like a big fbi logo it says like this domain has been seized Ooh. and they do that um probably every day i mean i see it often enough that i assume it's happening a lot more than i see one day bitcoin.org is going to get seized <laughs> probably i'm good another good example is pirate bay PirateBay.org has been taken down. Uh, DNS records been taken down a million times. Yeah, and that's why they have a million mirrors now. Yeah. I mean, so so they, you know, it's no it's no um, it's no uh, secret that they can that they that they can do that. And they do. I love this stuff, man. I'll be honest. I love this stuff. <laughs> Just the Dude, whole the history of all thing. Yeah. Dude, the Pirate Bay is the best story. Have you ever seen their website <laughs> of? Uh, uh, their responses that they send to every time somebody sends them like a cease and desist or a uh, uh, if you do not do this, we will have a lawsuit prepare for blah, blah, blah. Like, like yeah, just I write those all the time. List after list <laughs> after list of the, um, the pirate. Bay Jared's written one to pirate. Bay. The pirate Bay, uh, the pirate Bay guys publishes all of them on a website and then publishes their response. And they are hilarious. They have, they have literally balls of steel. Like they, they, the, <laughs> the hilarity of just one of them is like, uh, uh, we insist, um, uh, you know, we insist that you remove these um, or whatever, you know, whatever the, give, give me a, give me some lawyer language there, Jared. Um, we insist that you remove That's $400 an hour for that language. Sorry. I need that money up front. <laughs> Ain't no Rube. Um, uh, and, uh, and then the pirate bay is like <laughs> the response that they send back in this notice is like, we insist that you shove a baton up your ass or something like it's <laughs> hilarious. And like, cause we're not going to do that and you could suck it. So I, so I just, uh, Googled, FBI domain seizure and I found one that was just seized like yesterday uh, weleakinfo.com if you go there right now it's a really lame graphic too it does not look official at all you'd think it was a troll 
if you didn't know this was actually official. Um, but it's got like the, the Photoshop with the stupid like uh, highlight uh, font and all caps. This domain has been seized. Um, the domain for, and they even use the company's real logo here. We leak info with their real logo and, and, and branding. Uh, has been seized by the Federal Bureau of Investigation pursuant to a seizure warrant issued by the United States District Court for the District of Columbia under the authority of 18 U.S.C. 981-982 inter alia so part of coordinated law enforcement action. They don't always look like that, uh, JC. Um, there is uh, in the HTTP protocol, um, the error, instead of like a 404 error or 405 error, there's an error 451 for Fahrenheit's uh, 451 which is the, uh, the website is unavailable for legal reasons as an error status code. Um, you'll often get that with Caesar, seizures as well. I've, I've not seen that one yet, but this is something along, it usually looks a little different, almost like whoever's seizing it at the time makes one on his Photoshop, like right before he does it. Um, <laughs> but uh, This one has like Matrix stuff going on in the background. Yeah, like, man. It looks hilarious. Like this. You wouldn't one, think you wouldn't think this is official, but this is official. Like <laughs> I found this on a, a web uh, article from justice.gov where I found that this was seized. So Dude. this is official. It's almost like the feds are like laughing as they're making these logos. Like, how can I make this an MS paint? <laughs> it's not it's not that low quality, but it looks like something out of Mr. Robot. Like, it's well, like uh, put it this way, it's something I could make, and I'm not a graphics guy. But I, I, know, like, I also like that they used the actual like branding for WeLeak Info. Like, they used their yeah, logo and their colors. Hey, is that a violation for WeLeak yeah. Info? I think is there's, it? I think there's an issue with them using their logo like that. Oh, that would be so great if they got. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean. They would have to give them permission to use that logo, right? Well, Government. Thing, who would you sue here? Because we're looking at the Department of Justice. Um, we're looking at the, the, German, um, the German equivalent of the FBI. We're looking at the FBI and National Crime Agency, which I don't, I don't know what that is. I guess that's England. And then Northern Ireland. Um, there's a lot of different jurisdictions to push someone shit in from. Um, <laughs> that's a good point, too. Like. Yeah. This kind of coordinated global effort, like, you're completely powerless to do anything about that. Like, who are you going to call? Like, I mean, they're literally built into the HTTP protocol. Like, come on. That's like the protocol of the internet almost, a piece of it. They're their own status code. <laughs> it's like TCP having a fucking FBI status code or with a three-way handshake, there's like, a fucking uh, re rejection um, is a fucking FBI <laughs> code to fail your three-way three handshakes. Like, what? God I do want to amend my statement that it was recent. Apparently, this was from January. Oh, okay. This is just so hilarious. Wow. That does um, raise my suspicion about DNS and just the attack vector of DNS. Um, they, uh, uh, I think it was Matt Corallo has been talking about that a lot. Um, and, uh, there's actually something, something in the most recent or maybe like one back, uh, Bitcoin release was actually about something about like how the, the client was actually using like a DNS index from like a, a couple of major, um, 
like 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 kind of major dns sources and like there's like certain regions or something like that i can't remember and that they actually um kind of noticed how uh susceptible it was oh man dude it's good talking to you too man catch you next Peace time out, man later um but that uh it tended to centralize like it tended to all pick from like one region for some reason um and uh but they basically like made a bunch of modifications or whatever and made sure that like it specifically would reach out to multiple different like regions so that it was trying to get there was no one source for the dns to, to specific, specifically to mitigate something like that a, a hijacking of the dns um uh, I mean, not that that's like a solution to to it, but it is a particularly a, a way to not be susceptible to like one uh, like one jurisdictional takedown or something like that. You know, to spread it out as widely as possible. Um, that's cool. That corral is yeah. awesome. Yeah, dude. Did, um, just real quick, do you? Um, there seems to be a lot of debate about this, like Bitcoin update, like the uh, the way that new biffs get introduced into the core yeah. software yeah. and everything are you following this i i mean like i haven't looked that deeply into it but my feel is just like why is everyone trying to update to the latest software anyway like n none of this issue is a problem unless everyone is like always trying to update to the latest software program. And if everyone's always trying to update to the latest version of core, that's like a bigger worry to me than the way that BIPs are being introduced. Well, that's part of the problem, actually. Like that, that's something that they've brought up. Everybody's just worried about all the different, uh, an upgrade is an, is an attack vector, you know? Yeah. Like even as a soft fork. Um, and it could also potentially break Bitcoin if if even the implementation or the activation of it is done wrong under the assumption that it has broad support and a maybe it doesn't b maybe most of bitcoiners and nodes and even miners aren't really paying attention you know like we don't really know well that'd the, be a, that'd be a good thing in my opinion to if, some degree but it would be bad for the soft fork is the problem um, well, yeah, but it being bad for a soft fork is a good thing for Bitcoin because like when a new soft fork comes out, like I only want 1% of nodes to try it. You but know? that's exactly why, that's exactly why um, it's important that uh, like, like you, you don't, it, you only want 1% of the nodes to try it but you can't have just 1% of the nodes enforcing it. Like, or it has the potential to break Bitcoin because it is a two different sets of rules in a sense. Um, and it, it's, it's just really dangerous if wait, you what? don't do what? Wait, wait if 1%, well, what would you say about the enforcement and the potential to break Bitcoin? Okay, so think about it like this. If, um, let's say we get exactly half and half. Um, that'd be horrible. That'd, that'd be, be terrible. Anyway. That'd be terrible. Okay. Um, 
now, if it was only like 5%, it probably wouldn't be that bad because like, if it was a really, really low percent, because whatever the block is that um, uh, they were building on that the old nodes uh, potentially didn't see or mm-hmm. um, didn't understand, it would just get orphaned, right? right. Because yeah. you know, it's only got 5%, you know, like right. it, the, the other one will end up having two blocks and you just not worry about it anymore. Yeah. But half and half, you could have a really persistent problem, particularly if, I mean, this is why it's yeah. so important about how you activate it. Because right. if you just have like a flag bay and just say, this shit's gonna turn on, um, you know, August 1st of next year of 2021, well then, you know, we better hope that miners are ready to upgrade, um, or it's a pretty significant attack vector if some uh, nodes don't see it, or some nodes don't validate it, and some do. I mean, it's like forty percent validate it. Well, then that means sixty percent of the hash power can be tricked to making to, to um, uh, validating an invalid transaction on the legacy chain, and then split with the 40% that are doing the soft forward. Yeah. Dude, I would never be in favor of a flag like that unless it was like this time bug issue, unless it was something that everybody agreed upon was like catastrophic and we had to do this flag and all change over at the same time. Like, I feel like I would be against that for any other reason. Like, like people are people are talking about this for like Schnorr or Taproot or something, right? Yeah, yeah, Schnorr yeah. and Taproot. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you do you think we should have that that flag and the automatic switchover? I do. You I'm do? kind of a after Segwit. Um, uh, it's funny; most people are reluctant after Segwit, oh. um, but I'm really more of a if the soft if we think the software is to the point where we're talking about running the client and activating it and putting it on the network it's itself is a soft fork because we can stop using it if there's something wrong with it so nah man I, i mean not if there's a bug in it that like catastrophically erases the blockchain Oh, well, I mean, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, it's too important to not consider that. That's not really, that's not really the big concern though. I mean, it's, it's, it wouldn't be like just, just in general, the whole thing is like 500 lines of code. So it's not like this massive overhaul. And it's also kind of like within a container of things like of SegWit transactions, you know, like of the, Mm. um, of the type of signature that it is the the risk really isn't that like it really crashes or destroys a whole client which obviously that's there it's always there but i feel like that's incredibly small in comparison to the risk of a signature not something not playing out exactly like we expect um and invalidating a certain type of transaction or just having a bug for people who like a parody bug sort of thing, you know, like a multi-sig where shit just gets locked. But again, that was limited to, and in this case, it would be limited to people who used Taproot, who used that feature. And we can have nodes enforce it without actually using it, just like SegWit. For a long time, 
people didn't adopt SegWit. We were making sure we were validating them. We were validating SegWit signatures, but clients that were even validating and signal or accepting those blocks were not, um, were not using them yet. Um, that was the majority of the network for a very long time. Accepting clients that accepted SegWit blocks, but didn't actually use SegWit transactions. Maybe for this, it's okay. I just, I, maybe, I think I understand the debate a little bit more now. So I appreciate that. I, I do have a weird intuition about it going in the direction of automatic upgrades though. Like no, not just for this version, but it just, it feels like it's automatic upgrade-ish. Yeah. I don't, I really don't like automatic upgrades. That's what I talked about in the, the most recent episode is actually about this. Um, okay, so cool. it's like fresh in my mind. Oh, um, awesome. oh whoops. Uh, but, uh, uh, that's been the big discussion with the developers is I think, okay. and it, and it, it's both comical to me that like altcoiners and like Bcashers or whatever will tell you that Bitcoin is communist and super centralized and the developers are dictators or whatever. And then you go read the developer discussion and they're all just saying like, ha, like they're scared at the fact that people are just probably going to download the next core client and not know that there's a big change. Like, and they're like, how do we make sure that this isn't our decision? Like they're going overboard a hundred different ways because they're scared of having control. And I think part of it is just that this is a big change. And they're like, this can't just be our decision. This has to be Bitcoin's decision. How do we give it to Bitcoin? You know, how do we give it to the community, the nodes, the miners, et cetera? Um, slowly. Slowly. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'm, I'm definitely more in favor of the uh, – Eric Lombroso had a decent, like, handful of tweets about it or whatnot. But um, okay. is uh, – I like the BIP-8, which is the flag day. The, like, it's going to get activated, but it's like a two-stage. Um, it's a BIP-8 um, just signaling support for mm -hmm. a year. And then if it doesn't reach the support level um, and it looks like there's not any clear reason as to why there's no like big uh, contest against it or nobody's railing. It's not like this big political fuss or anything and there's no bugs like reassessing it is basically turn it over into the next stage of BIP8 and run a basically a user activated software client. But all of the ones, and they will flag day it. They will just like on this day, it's activated in another six months. But everybody who signaled for it is already ready to accept the blocks. So even though they're not going to enforce the activation, they are ready to back up the network when it moves to the next um, step. Um, okay. So it, it gives, it gives a, a good year-long period to basically back away from it if something turns out wrong and if not let's just put up or shut up and these are only for the people that download the latest client anyway like mm -hmm. who doesn't upgrade like i'm not even going to worry about any of that stuff right yeah yeah and uh there was actually a really good point and i think this is a, a really good idea as well um is to not release it as if it's just the next core client but to strictly oh. separate it from all the rest of core and like call it 
make it a separate client called Bitcoin Core Taproot. Um, like just give it a completely different name that is its own thing. And it's like, if you support the software upgrade, download and run this client, and then you can just upgrade to the next core release when it comes out in five months or whatever. And uh, we can go from there, but basically make a clear, blatant dis distinction. This is Taproot that you are installing. I thought that was a really good idea. It's yeah, I like that. It's explicitly different. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't put it on the same, like, app get upgrade yeah. Bitcoin thing. Like, put it on a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. That way, only people that really know what they're doing will install it. Yeah. And it's a much better way to see, to, to not get lost behind fake support. Um, and not, not that it can't be, like, civiled or whatever, but just so that it's not... The people, like, like you said, the people who are just default upgrading to the next thing, they don't start signaling support for something they have no idea of. And then we think, oh, there's huge support for Taproot when really it's just huge support for app get update. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I'm going to have to head off in a little bit here. I'm scared. Um, uh, I'm definitely need to head out as well too yeah. but it is hot as crap and i think our ac is <laughs> dying oh dude and i'm miserable right now and it's usually cold again by this time you sure it's not all those bitcoin miners you got under your bed that could be a problem too <laughs> um, i don't think uh, i mean i mean they're running they're running pretty hot you know but i like to pour <laughs> cups of water on them every once in a while to cool them off yeah You'd get a window unit, man. <laughs> I window might have to, up. at least for a little while. If if this doesn't, God, God, I'm just, I'm very are, right now. I'm like 106 degrees lately. Dude, it's been terrible. Yeah. It's felt like death outside. All right. All right. All right. I'm, All right, I'm guys. out. Cool, man. See y'all next week. Yep, yep. Later, man. See you, bye.